Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarowski Show as I speak. It's Thursday, May 12, 2022. What's the headline in the newspaper? Headline in the newspaper as a look at the newspaper right now. Inflation slows, but rising prices weigh on the U.S. Renewed fear of higher interest rates. S&P 500 extends five-week slide. So that's just the headline of today's paper. But I can tell you right now, folks, we're probably not going to be talking about any of that uh, in today. <laughs> so anyway, I could have picked a better headline, I think, uh, to kind of segue into this conversation with my distinguished guests. But I don't know. I just picked the headline that was right there in front of me. Who, who knows? Maybe my distinguished guests have great thoughts about the state of the economy and how to battle inflation. Hmm. Maybe they do. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. I'm going to start with distinguished guests whose first initial is C. Introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Uh, my name is Cody Wilkins. I am born and raised on the south side of Chicago, currently based in Brooklyn, New York. I live and work as a word mercenary, slanging yuck yucks on stage and on paper. And I am uh, the humble half of the Ain't Nobody Checking For Me podcast with myself and my amazing co-host and collaborator, Rachel Jarofsky. Glad to be here, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you, sir. Our other distinguished guests, uh, whose first name begins with R, introduce yourself. Hello, I am the uh, amazing, aforementioned amazing co-host, Rachel Jarofsky, one half of Ain't Nobody Checking For Me pod. I am from uh, the north side of Chicago, but currently living in Montecito Heights, uh, excellent neighborhood of Los Angeles, California, though, uh, you know, I'm a New York City bitch till I die. Um, <laughs> you know, 11 years in New York really imprinted itself on me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm a comedian and a, uh, a TV writer and um, a podcast writer and a podcast maker. So, yeah, it's great to be here. So, uh, Rachel, just curious, your last name, Jarofsky, is very similar to mine. Is there any connection there? Yeah, I'm Ben Jarofsky's uh, second daughter, um, <laughs> second daughter, second and 
and uh, yeah, I um, that's my dad. Dad, thanks for having me on the show. Yes. Uh, and uh, so Cody and Rachel, this is their fourth appearance on the show. And um, I love talking comedy with them. Uh, old friends, since if you go back and listen to the first shows I did with these two, uh, they'll tell the whole story. So I'm not going to ask them to redo the whole story, how they met, how I met Cody, how polite he was, how he knew how to pronounce my name. I was stunned by that. He shook my hand. Hello, Mr. Jarofsky. And uh, <laughs> fine young man he was. Uh, and he's very, very, well, I'm biased. I think Rachel Jarofsky is perhaps the funniest woman in the world. But Cody Wilkins is no joke, ladies <laughs> Cody. What was that joke? I know I'm going to butcher it, Cody. Oh, no. So we're sitting. <laughs> let me just get the scene, okay? So we're sitting in the sofa, my other daughter's house, watching a yeah. basketball game. Of course, I'm obsessed with basketball. And Cody that night was going to do a set uh, somewhere in L.A. Yes. I forget which club, but he had booked a set. I think, Cody, you were struggling because you'd rather stay and watch the game, right, right. Uh, eat dinner with us. But you, you had made this commitment, and you know he's a man of his word and his honor. So he tried out a joke and I was half watching the game and it, Cody, it took me like 20 <laughs> seconds to get the joke. And I'm like, Oh, it's the funniest freaking joke I ever heard. God dang, you're funny, Cody. So without any pressure, what was the joke? Uh, you know, I think the, it, it, the context of the joke will, will do us justice here. I'm not going to sit up and do a whole type five, but I think we were dying because it was Easter Sunday. It was like the Abrahamic triangle of holidays. You remember that? It was like, Easter Sunday, I was over for Seder dinner. Was it Ramadan? I don't know what all there, but I was doing the show and I was getting ready to go on stage and just blast theme my face off and really try and get hit by lightning by one of the deities at some point. And I'm, I think I told a joke about the possibility of Jesus being gay. And um, we all had a good laugh. But y'all, you know, no, no, was that not that, it? I didn't even oh. know that joke. Uh, I'd be happy to hear that. It had to do with the Virgin Mary. Oh, yes, the Virgin Mary. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes, the Virgin Mary. Uh, it was about how I think we forget the people, the characters in the Bible also just used to be regular people who like had to go on with their lives after their chapter ended. So probably years after Jesus died and came back, the Virgin Mary was sitting in a bar having a drink. And somebody, some dude came up to her like, hey, you're the Virgin Mary, aren't you? Can, can I like, get an autograph or something? And she's like, actually, it's just Mary now. <laughs> I do remember I, so that. So I heard him say the joke. I was half watching the game. And then at 10 seconds later, I go, oh, that's a funny joke. And then I try to recreate it. And of course, the dyslexia kicks in. I'm butchering the hell out of it. Cody asked me to sign if decent desist, not to repeat any of his joke. <laughs> What's the joke about Jesus being gay? Might as well get that one out of the way. Oh, you know, we can't give it all away for free. It's also okay. it's, a, it's a longer bit, you know. All right, okay. We won't give it all away for free. All right. Uh, so I want to talk to you about the state of stand-up comedy in the wake of Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in the face at the Oscars. This is a subject that we talked about on my show so many times. For uh, I think for like two weeks. Uh, Rachel and Cody, every guest who came on the show was obligated to address this issue because uh, it, it, it resounded in so many ways uh, for me. And uh, so then it was sort of died away as an issue. And all of a sudden, Dave Chappelle gets tackled on stage by a 23-year-old uh, named uh, Isaiah Lee. And um, to me, it sure screamed copycat crime. Uh, and um, so suddenly I'm alarmed. My daughter's a a stand-up comic does all these uh, 
appearances all throughout uh, Los Angeles. Uh, dear family friend, Cody Wilkins, a stand-up comic, doing all these appearances throughout New York and Los Angeles. Uh, so, I don't know, Do you are you afraid uh, in any way that there could be uh, more attacks on comedians? Rachel, we'll start with you. Um, well, I think it's worth mentioning that, like, and Cody, I don't know if you feel similarly, you probably, I'm assuming that you do, but like as a queer uh, woman uh, who frequently comes out as Jewish in just about every set I do, I'm already, I already got my eyes wide open in terms of like, how, who is the audience that's receiving this? And is this a safe audience for me to be sharing this with? Um, I usually err on the side of fuck it. <laughs> I actually always err on the side of fuck it. Oh, sorry, dad. Can we curse on this? I forget. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I recently listened much- to an episode where you couldn't and like everyone was struggling with it. An episode of yours. Um, yeah, no, that was because, yes, it's a very good point. Uh, that was when we were dropping it. We drop one a week on the radio and that's, oh my God, I didn't do the, usually I tell the guests, don't swear. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, uh, but so anyway, we're good. this is not being dropped on the radio, so go ahead. Yeah, so I always err on the side of fuck it, but like my material is so unapologetically gay and Jewish and I also just like being a woman, it's just like, I mean, for many in my early 20s, I feel like that was what made me feel scared about doing stand-up was like, is someone going to sexually harass me from the audience? Um, which is a possibility that I just guess I don't really, um, I guess I just have stopped really thinking about so much. Um, so all that is to say is like this stuff was already, um, you know, safe, a comic safety when they're so vulnerable up on stage was already something that like was, has been on my mind. Um, and I, I do think has, has, uh, become a little bit more, um, prevalent on my mind since, since everything that's went down with Chris Rock. Um, and then also, uh, Dave Chappelle. Cody. Wow. It's so, uh, enlightening to hear that perspective. I think it just puts mine into, into perspective about how much privilege I just operate with that I don't think about when I perform. I don't, I don't know that other than one time in my life when I was in my early 20s performing in Chicago, I did a show in Pilsen and I told the gay Jesus joke, actually, and a guy waited for me outside the bar and kind of approached me and put his hands on my shoulders and was like kind of sternly asking me how I was raised and if I really believed the things I was saying about the church. And it was dark and we were alone and it was the only time I've ever felt physically in danger in a comedy space. You know, I've never thought about being on stage, being harassed. And I think now, after these instances, and I think I would include a third instance, I forget what city, probably Atlanta, there was a young woman hosting a mic and she made jokes about uh, T.I., the rapper T.I., who's now crossing the comedy. And he tried, he interrupted her and essentially, uh, you know, assaulted her in the moment and definitely threw the rails off the show, it looks like, in that in that moment. But so, you know... Being accosted on stages as it's become more prominent here in this last little quarter, 
I've almost felt even more safe on stage because I just, one, I'm performing a lot at indie shows in Brooklyn or clubs in Manhattan. I'm often the tallest person in the room. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody's going to try and attack me with their hands because of my material. Also, yeah, I feel you, Rachel, on airing on the side of fuck it. I think my comedic sensibility has always been to try and joke people off the hills they're willing to die on. So if you, because of my humor, attack me on stage, you're just proving my point and giving me some more material. Um, and also the stakes are so low, right? If somebody beats my ass because of something, or tries to beat my ass because something I said on stage, they're going to end up just amplifying my voice because right now I'm next to nobody, you know? Um, so because I'm not Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock or a woman, you know, I don't feel that pressure. And I, I feel fortunate to not have to worry about it and like just hopeful that I don't have to experience it with or around anyone else. Yeah, I will say actually that I just thought of this and it's interesting because Cody and I were talking about this earlier. Um, I uh, recently, pretty recently I've been working on new material and th this will kind of just display how much I don't, I, how much I err on the side of fuck it. I recently was reached out to by an ex who had seen uh, some material that I uh, that I did that was sort of um, a bit on her at her expense, a bit which I absolutely stand by. Um, and she was furious at me and for for the bit and and quote said to me, "Keep my name out of your mouth," which I guess is the closest. Uh, which also is just like she weighs like 90 pounds. Right. Like she don't want this smoke. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm not a fighter, but, uh, am I, I don't know. I do have a scrappy basketball background. Yeah. You can scrap. <laughs> uh, but I think, I don't know. I don't need a court case fighting as a 30 year old woman. Um, but that to me, that's, that's threatening language. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that's for sure. That's up there. That's that to me is thematically in line with, you know, everything else that we've been seeing in terms of comedians catching physical backlash for um, what they're saying on stage. Yeah. I just also think you talk about copycat crimes, but I think at this point it's, it might even be played out. I hope it's played out. Also the guy who ran up a Dave Chappelle was made an example of physically by his security, you know? And I think I feel a sense of, safety at the clubs because they're probably not going to let it fly. I don't imagine the people who are pulling up now are on that. And if they are, uh, it, it, the consequences are just so much higher than any of the benefit, you know? True. I realized I probably said, should have said to her, who are you, Will Smith? Like, what? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you Will Smith? Like, are that's you? pretty much verbatim. <laughs> no. Well, he said, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Keep uh, my name out of your he mouth. He said like three times, two times maybe. Uh, by the way, so the latest uh, regarding Dave Chappelle, and there's so many twists and turns in this, and I'd love to hear you guys riff on this. So when I, when I, the two comedians who've been attacked, uh, most prominent comedians have been attacked, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle, two of the most famous comedians in the world, fabulously successful, could retire right now. Uh, and not have to worry about uh, working again, that kind of thing. Uh, they, uh, but they um, clearly were hurt and wounded by being attacked, but they don't want to admit it. 
And this is something I've noticed. They don't want to <clears throat> like come out and admit it because, well, I'd, I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on this one, uh, Rachel and Cody, why it seems like they're holding back. Uh, but anyway, so that latest headline uh, re- uh, dealing with Chappelle is uh, L.A. County D.A. responds to Dave Chappelle's request for felony charges against attacker. So the attacker only got misdemeanor charges. Uh, Dave Chappelle said uh, he thought he should, the attacker, let it be clear that he thought the attacker should have gotten uh, felony charges, which is a lot more serious, could have more jail time. Misdemeanor probably won't will mean a suspended sentence or something. It will not be any more jail time uh, than uh, already is. So, so much at play here. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Cody, and then Rachel, you weigh in. Like, if a persona of a comedian is of, I don't care, you know, what the consequences are, sort of Dave Chappelle has this attitude, which makes him, in many ways, such a great comedian. I'm going to tell what I think is the truth. Uh, Let the chips fall where they may. And if I insult you, I insult you. But we're all grownups here. You know, and um, Chris Rock has a similar attitude. Mo- I guess most comedians. I've never heard a comedian really apologize for telling a joke. Uh, and then there's this reaction. Y- you know, it's this profound anger bordering on violence. Uh, well, I'm not even sure what triggered Isaiah Lee. But so how does the comedian, what's like the appropriate response for the con- comedian? Are you, spo- are you allowed to admit that you're traumatized by being slapped or tackled? Uh, or attacked. Your thoughts on this, Cody? I think you're totally allowed to admit it. I think in the seats that Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle are in, there's probably not much benefit to admitting it if they do, in fact, feel that way. I think I I saw Kevin Hart spoke to Mike Birbiglia on Jimmy Kimmel uh, a week or so ago, and he talked about having respect for the entertainer again. you know, uh, and respecting that boundary between entertainer and and consumer. Um, And I think, I forget what he said, you know, verbatim, but I I appreciate that attitude and that we forget sometimes that artists are people. Like uh, Dave Chappelle, the human being, is probably, even if he's so artistically talented that he can make them look almost identical, Dave Chappelle, the human being, might be a degree or two separate attitudinally or behaviorally from Dave Chappelle, the comedian, you know? Um, And when we compare this to say like another art form, like imagine if somebody tried to beat Leonardo DiCaprio's ass for his role in Django, you know, like that is nuts. He was working in that moment, portraying a character, an idea, helping tell a story. And if your reaction, like you got to be, some kind of off kilter to have a physical reaction to art like that in that way. I can understand people being passionate for sure. But um, if I'm Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock and I am traumatized by it, uh, there's unless somebody's paying me to talk about my experience, I think sorting through it or expressing my emotions about it is something I can totally do internally. Or, and then once I process it internally, it's probably gonna be some amazing material to come out of this, you know? Um, but immediately coming out and just like speaking earnestly or plainly about it, I'm not pressed to see either one of them do it. I heard that Chris Rock didn't really want to talk about the slap for a while afterwards, unless he was going to get paid, which I feel you, you know, like you've already, you got smacked uh, and 
then people immediately ran to the aid of your assailant. And there was, it immediately, it's get played on replay over and over. Folks are talking about your manhood, this and that and the other. We live in this interestingly liberally, like you're in an interestingly liberally progressive industry, but you're old enough that there's this kind of archaic idea of like manhood and what that response looks like. And there's the flip on, there's just so much noise that I imagine if I were in the seats as well, I would probably be silent until I grabbed the pen and then get paid to talk about it. Yeah, I, it sucks to get slapped. Like that sucks. <laughs> like I, I think just like facts on paper, that's so, it is humiliating. That is absolutely humiliating. What happened to Chris Rock? Like that sucks. Um, which is, so I completely I think that's actually a really smart thing. What he said is like, you can't, you want to pay me, I'll talk about it. Cause it's like, if we're all so obsessed with consuming, you know, the lives of the elite, like, I guess let's commodify that shit for, let, let me commodify my, you know, embarrassment, my humiliation. Um, but I also feel like stand up as an art form is like, it's like, it's a special, it's like an especially tricky medium. And this is not to justify the slap, but I feel like people like more often than not have bones to pick with comedians more than like an actor in a movie, just because like the medium of film or even theater is like, you're removed, you're watching what so clearly feels like a piece of fiction. Whereas like stand up, even though 90% of it is lying, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or is like bent, you know, morphed truth. It's, it appears that it's just like the perspective and point of view and like thoughts off the cuff of like the funny person before you. And I think like the, what the immediacy of it, or like what appears to be the immediacy of it, um, makes the viewer like more out of pocket, you know what I mean? Or like have their propensity to like, just do act up and act out. Um, and also struggle to suspend disbelief in like the same way that they would like consuming a different type of art form, you know, right, like, right, right. Like, like when music. Chris, right. Like when would any when would a musician get slapped for their controversial? I mean, I don't know. I guess like if um, Southern Man, uh, who Dad, who Neil Young was uh, the um, singer songwriter behind Southern Man, like that was a controversial song. He might have gotten his ass tarred and feathered in the South. You know what I mean? Like that's that is that I guess that is something that's like the easiest comparison that comes to mind. Um, right away. But I do feel like the medium of stand-up like lends itself to like audience thinking that they can kind of participate in these ways that like, no, sit your ass down. Well, then there's just the uh, category of crazy. And, uh, and, and I put the, uh, the attack on Dave Chappelle in the category of crazy. Um, I, I'm not quite sure what the Will Smith category is uh, that it, fragile, uh, uh, fragile, <laughs> yes, <laughs> manipulated, whatever. You, we can go on and on. Uh, fragile is a good one, uh, but I mean, what springs to mind way before either one of you was born, 
uh, John Lennon of the Beatles was uh, ki- literally killed uh, by uh, just an insane fan. The guy who loved him so much, he killed him. And I still haven't gotten over that, uh, guys. It's over 40 years. So there's just a lot of crazy out there. And uh, um, and I'm not, and I wouldn't put Will uh, Smith in that category. But Cody, you said something, and I just got to follow up on that and get you and Rachel's thoughts on this. Just the response uh, when you said uh, Chris Rock had a not only get slapped, uh, but he had watch while everybody in the theater ran to the aid of his assailant, uh, standing ovation eventually. To me, which is would double the trauma of getting slapped. So what do you you know? I've thought a lot about this. Uh, Howard Stern did a whole bit. I don't know if you saw this or heard it. Either one of you about. Uh, uh, how the contrasting the way um, Isaiah Lee was treated for tackling David Chappelle with the way that uh, uh, Will Smith was treated for slapping uh, Chris Rock. One guy was beat up. I think his arm was broken. The other guy got a standing ovation. Well, uh, did, Isaiah Lee tried to tackle him, didn't he? I, I saw he did tackle him. Yeah, yes. he, he yeah. tackled him. That if I think if Will Smith would have tackled Chris Rock, it would have been a bit different. Um. So just, I don't know that it's fair, fully apples, apples, but I, I, I can't, I don't, I mean, there have been so many takes on the slap, you know, we've heard from everyone about it from every angle, but the thing that I can't, the thing that I want to, that I focus on most about when I think about it is the composure of Chris Rock, the absolute unshakable professionalism of Chris Rock, uh, the, the, the unfortunate, probably platinum handcuffs he had to his job in that moment that kept him from responding in a way that would have probably like physiologically been so much better for him, you know, um, or, or, or would have like at least kept, I bet he lost like many minutes off of his life in cortisol from like trying to not, respond physically or verbally in that moment and then to get himself back on track to keep talking and keep doing his job uh the double down betrayal and disdain of seeing everyone then like pat will smith on the back i i truly can't imagine how frustrating that would be um but it also makes me feel like it's tough for me to imagine myself in that situation because I'll never, I'm not maybe, ne- maybe not never, but never be in a situation close anytime soon. If somebody smacks me on stage, the stakes of shit that I'll lose is really low. You know, I've got a full arsenal of responses available to me. Um, so I'm just eternally impressed with what Chris Rock did as like a professional and as and also as a comedian because he could have said some wild things that could have sent it up. And you know he had it too, because this is what he does. So he he ate that slap for a lot more than just himself, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, Rach, what do you think though is going on in the mind of the audience? I've I've thought this a lot. Like, if I, for some reason, had been in that room, <laughs> imagine me at the Oscars, uh, would I have joined the crowd, uh, rising, you know, standing? Uh, to applaud Will Smith, what, what, like the force of the peer pressure, just the force of the moment. Yeah. So they and they were applauding him like when he got the 
it was it was when he was making a speech for King Richard. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that was like a tricky situation because it's like I mean, it just in a lot of ways it sucked for Will Smith because it was like, damn, this was your big fucking moment and then it kind of unfortunately had to share the stage with this really cringy moment uh that happened before um so i feel i wonder if the audience was feeling that like push and pull of like ah uh, he he has wanted this for so long and he's finally getting it and you know he's also now crying <laughs> so like let's be real you see someone cry and you're like oh you know like this is a bunch of empathetic actors who like can only imagine you know their big moment or remembering their big moment and you know he's kind of playing this narrative of this great man of passion who just like cares so much for his family that it like gets him in trouble um I think that like yeah I think that the audience was giving in to the to the narrative that felt convenient in the moment, um, which was like this underdog, this great underdog is finally getting his, like seeing Will Smith as an underdog, which is just like, I don't know if anyone sitting in that room is an underdog. <laughs> right. And I've yeah. made this point before is just like, it's, it's, you know, the Oscars is like, celebrities are our royalty you know mm -hmm. that's it's like our answer to that and so i had a really hard time seeing anyone in that scenario as like marginalized in in any way i mean of course everyone involved has literally marginalized identities that have impacted them greatly in their lives at varying moments but like this is a room full of millionaire billionaires at the end of the day like, I, I, yeah, that, that's, that kind of, that can kind of stop me in my track and tracks in terms of like really feeling bad <laughs> yeah. for anyone, any one party. That, that I'll say has made my stomach turn. People talking about people who aren't Chris Rock or Will Smith talking about how they were traumatized in that moment, you know? <laughs> oh, what I saw at the Oscars, it traumatized me. I'll never forget it. I'm having PTSD because I watched um, one guy, I watched The Fresh Prince slap the court jester like all right well I also <laughs> i think the tough thing for everyone in that audience i imagine is the is dealing with the gross intersection of their personal lives in the industry you know like if you because it was such a large moment with so many cameras on it everyone's reaction any reaction that stands out would probably be deeply examined and questioned either by the media or by industrial partners and colleagues and you know folks in that room well where do you stand how do you how do you stand what do you believe so you could either show it physically in that moment by not standing up not applauding uh protesting and walking out you could be aghast and leave and da da da, da. but then but then you're standing out going against the grain in a place where like optics are everything you know, and perception is everything. And you're probably just like Chris Rock and uh, Will Smith, better off staying silent, pleading the fifth on your thoughts about it. Otherwise, you find yourself 
on either side of the of the aisle. I mean, you know, it's a it's a polarizing thing. On, on your podcast, uh, Rachel uh, and Cody, you have a bit. What's it called? Get your big. Is that what it's uh-huh. called? Yeah, it gives it okay, the month. I'm going to do a get your big. Get oh. your big, Howard Stern. Oh, oh, because you would have been standing too. Right. You yeah. would have been standing too. And I'll tell you right now. Get your big Howard I'm Stern, a- salty. You weren't invited. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. We're getting a feel for it. <laughs> weren't invited. Never going to be invited. Used to be popular, but you're not popular anymore. Sorry, I'm channeling right. my inner. <laughs> Get your um, bit of Howard Stern, Hillary Clinton stand. You know what I mean? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loving Hillary Clinton now after you trashed her all through the 90s. Uh, <clears throat> uh, focus, man. So uh, my point is that I believe all of us would have been standing. I believe the impulse of that moment is to stand. And in hindsight, you walk out and you might think, God, was that a good idea? Or maybe the day after when you see the reaction, oh, maybe that wasn't a good idea to stand for the guy who just slapped the other guy. You know you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's Hollywood. Everybody's dramatic as hell. They're all great actors. He cries at the dude is suddenly poor. You know, Cody, he stitched together. Uh, I got to give Will Smith credit. I believe that he had a, a, a speech that hit some of those themes. And then he kind of cut and paste while he was standing there, his original speech to try to accommodate the reality of what he had just done. Uh, and so, and then the, the, the crocodile started coming down and, you know, the crowd's like, yeah, man, we feel you. Uh, so I doubt anybody, I mean, would have the vision at that moment to like discern differentiate between what Will Smith had done to Chris Rock uh, and what he's asking people to believe at that moment in the speech to the point where they would go, no, I'm not, I'm outraged and I'm just going to sit and I'm going to boo or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think Howard Stern, man, talk about hindsight 2020. Good God. Suddenly, you know, that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, Cody. The hindsight thing, it's that's why I feel like it's been tough for me to try and even discuss this at all because it's like, well, I have all the time and distance to do the math on how I would react or how I would feel. I think one of the things that we forget is that, you know, we talk about Will Smith assaulting Chris Rock. Well, he didn't beat his ass. You know what I mean? He smacked him. We're all human. We don't live in a vacuum. Legally speaking, what he did was wrong. Emotionally speaking, eventually, it was traumatizing. But at the onset... A man slapped a man in the face. No blood was drawn. A bigger fight didn't happen. And the show went on. This is Hollywood, the land of dramatics. So if, you know, if you, you're aroused by the environment in general, then that might make a, a, a high jump on an EKG, a big blip on your radar. But eventually, like, it's going to take time, I think, for the reality of that whole thing to settle in, you know? for the rationale of everything to settle in. So I imagine folks almost went back to business as usual with just like the buzz of that excitement. And you're right. It probably was not until many, many hours later that they even thought to calculate what would have been appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I think it's it's pretty much it's pretty much all been said. Like I I think everyone at that point was so stunned that it's just like it was a room full of sheeple. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're yeah. just kind of following what everyone else is cuz it's like <laughs> how do you react? People who are saying they were traumatized though, I'm like have you never like did you not see fights as a child? <laughs> like did you not yeah. like did you not scrap in grades in grammar school and high school you know like that I'm just like huh like have you not slapped I've slapped people in my life slapped people as a teen right uh, I once slapped Eric Short and Beacon <laughs> real inside baseball I was on the school newspaper and I slapped a, a, a boy across the face because he annoyed me I don't know why you know what I, mean? I can't really remember what happened uh, I've slapped my sister in my youth, you know, I, I do, I do think that like, there's something jarring about seeing adults fight. Cause it's like, Hey, your brain should be more formed than that. But then it's also like, don't we pay to see fighting as a form of entertainment as well? So it's just, I guess, context, context is everything here. Like, I guess it goes back to like, we shouldn't be seeing slapping at the gilded stage, of the of the of you know the Academy Awards while we're seeing our American royalty you know um, uh, slay for lack of a better word you know so it's yeah I think that like I think that what grossed me out the most about this entire thing like even more than like man comics can't say what they want anymore was just like our obsession with wealth. And, and rich people. It's just like, damn, that really is, that's this country. That's, that's just the reality. And it's really, it is really depressing when you let that sink in. Well, all right, let's follow up. Comics can't say uh, anything anymore. Uh, Cody, do you think the, uh, the time has come to end insult humor at a uh, award show? You know, like the standard routine is they get up, uh, and they just look around the room and they start making fun of all the prominent people that are there because they know America's will be in on the joke because everybody knows who, let's say, I don't know, uh, Brad Pitt is or, you know, uh, uh, you know, any of the famous uh, George Clooney or the famous celebrities who are sitting right there. And the camera goes on. I go, oh, my God, that's Julia Roberts, you know. Uh, so the impulse of any most comics is to make fun of it. That night they were making fun of, the, uh, you know, the uh Amy Schumer and um, the other uh, co-hosts were uh, one of Sykes were making fun of the people. So you think that's the end of uh, insult humor or do you think it's going to survive this? No, I think it'll definitely survive. I am not willing to surrender the idea that Will Smith smacked Chris Rock so hard we stopped making fun of each other. You know, like I don't think he has that sort of power. I think it's I think I think it's important that the jokes are funny. You know, I think that's funny first. Make it funny first. And if it's funny, then even the target of the joke, if they have a sense of humor, you know, or if they're not too self-important, should be able to laugh it off. Uh, or have the composure to discuss their feelings at the altar or privately backstage or whatever. You know, nothing about what Will Smith did was acceptable and and i don't think that we should let that unacceptable behavior have consequences that fuck the show up for everybody else just because he was you know 
fragile and unra- and unraveled in a moment. I, I, but I think it's, it isn't like the, also the joke wasn't that funny. I don't know if it was off the cuff. You know, I don't know if somebody wrote that. I don't know. It was I, petty. Like, yeah, it but was also, petty. Like Will Smith laughed. He was laughing until he saw Jada mad. And then he was like, oh, wait. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'm not one to let the reactions, like, because you, look, if you don't like the type of humor, you don't have to watch. And I don't think that's going to dominate the whole thing, but I, I do think it's important in this living wake of a moment for all of these prominent performers, for them to have some level of humility or flexibility. And everyone's like, oh, well, you shouldn't have to take a joke. Well, yeah. If it, we're here to be funny, not to hurt your feelings. If your feelings get hurt, we're sorry. But it was in, yeah. I mean, it's also just like it, I get. It sucks to be made. It sucks to be the butt of a joke when the joke itself is about an insecurity that you actively have. That sucks. Right, or that something that you can't sucks. change. Right, can't change. And she has been feeling some type of way about alopecia and. You know, as someone with, you know, a thick horse hair, you know, I got that young, that young pony. Uh, <laughs> I got that good Jewish uh, thick horse hair. You know, I if I started losing my hair, that would suck. That would suck so much for me, you know. Um, and like my sister, um, your other daughter was uh, allegedly, I didn't really believe her, but allegedly losing hair after birth. Like that's like something that happens, um, you know, after you give birth and she was not feeling good about it. She was feeling like for, it sucks it's for women. It's really, really hard for men. It seems tough too. It's just more acceptable. Um, but like women aren't allowed to go bald. No way. I mean, we're talking about a black woman's hair right now. It's 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 sacred ground, you know. Every inch of that scalp, it's a it's so cultural and historical and intimate that relationship. That like that's why I would never say like, oh, Jada shouldn't be mad. I'm not gonna tell her not to feel the way she feels. But like, the joke wasn't funny and it was petty. Alopecia is a bitch, but I think bitch slapping somebody in a position who can't respond because of an alopecia joke is a bitch move. It is. It is. Uh, so, okay, this is going to be comedy one hundred and one. Uh, in uh, from Cody and Rachel, they're going to instruct us something here. And uh, so, I've watched. I'm obsessive comedy watcher. Rachel knows this. Cody, I don't know if you know this. I spend way too much time watching YouTube clips. Uh, confession here, and mostly I just rewatch the same ones from the seventies. Um, but. So, okay, let's say you, you're on stage, you give that joke. What do you do? Comedy 101, Cody. Uh, what do you do? You told a joke that wasn't that funny uh, and is borderline insulting, maybe on the other side of the border insulting. What do you as a comedian immediately do to win back? Not just the person you've insulted, but the people in the audience who now feel uncomfortable because your joke is petty and borderline. So what is, what's the immediate response you should do as a comedian on stage? Turn, turn the the joke gun on yourself. You got to be self-deprecating. You got to bring yourself down a peg because you're always punching up. And in that moment, I think you've created a negative balance between 
disparity between yourself and your crowd. And that's, you need them. Uh, you need them to say the same way that they want you in that moment. So you gotta, you gotta be able to chop yourself down a peg and not be too like pandery about it, but you gotta then, yeah, you gotta self-deprecation and like harder jokes. You know, you have to be funny now, really. Right. Yeah. Rach, you have any tips? Yeah. I mean, well, I think what's interesting is like, especially to switch back to Dave Chappelle is his, um, I feel like his inclination is to lean in and recommit even harder to what he's saying and, and thinking is funny. And like the comic in me <laughs> respects that, even though like I, I disagree with like just about with, with pretty much, uh, you know, I, I'm queer. I don't love his jokes on trans people at all. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really listened to them because I just have a feeling I won't really like them. But I do enjoy his humor. I mean, like, I loved his his sketch show. Um, that's just an aside on how I feel about him. But I feel like as comics, we're taught to, like, don't um, – to not, like, abandon your shit. Like, to, you know, like um, – be always kind of recommitting, doubling down and recommitting to the bit. Um, I do think that like the safest bet in a moment where something's not going over well is like to pivot, um, to punch down, uh, which will then kind of serves as like a justification for why it's okay for the audience to laugh um, at whatever you said that they were taken aback by. Um, but also to be honest, like when bits aren't going well, I have fully not done them all the way through. I've like, you know, oh, they're not liking this. Okay. I'll end this here and I'll pivot to something else. I'll comment on how they don't, they're not fucking with me and then, you know, keep it moving. Um, but I, you know, to be honest, I do respect that, that artistic inclination to be like, no, this, this is what I, I believe this shit is funny. So I'm going to double down on everything I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a flip flopper, but I, I also support that perspective. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, think yeah. both, both things are true to me. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, same. Well, that's that. Yeah. That, uh, uh, that was Johnny Carson's strength. Uh, if I could make an allusion to a real comedian way before your time, but he is so funny at jokes that bomb. Yeah, he had such a great ability to like the joke would bomb and he would turn that into a joke in and of itself and people would be laughing at him. And uh, I don't even know why, uh, be honest with you, Chris Rock felt compelled to make the joke. You know, he's, he was given an award. Like, what, what, oh, he's given jokes for. Uh, but anyway, all right, uh, we've run out of time. Uh, so I'm going to close by saying this uh, to uh, uh, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Uh, I know Chris Rock is a huge a fan of my podcast and is probably listening uh, as we speak. So, Chris, uh, you're looking for some new jokes that are maybe, you know, harder, uh, to quote one of our guests. Her name is Rachel Jarofsky, and his name is Cody Wilkins. Uh, you can get to get either one of them through me, and uh, they'll write you some funny jokes, okay? That won't get you slapped in the head, all right? All right, very good. Cody, thank you very much. Rachel, thank you very much. Rachel, you're really looking cool with those super... I just got to give a shout out to that. Those headphones you're wearing. Those, hey, Cody, did you notice that? I see that. I see it. Those look crisp. Rachel, where'd you get those? 
I was say- <laughs> I was saying they were sent to me because later today I am doing a dating show podcast Ooh. where it's like it's a little like Love Is Blind vibes where it's like there's different contestants like. Hey, I'm Richard Jarofsky, you know, 30 years old, right. LA, California. Like, I like, you know, playing basketball Is and getting wings. It's live. Yeah. Uh, no, I think oh. they record it and then post it, but it's like hosted by this uh, drag queen that um, was on RuPaul. And, you know, it's like you got to make it through the contestants or their different rounds. They didn't, they're not paying me, but they did send me all this gear for Let's the go. pod. And I don't know if I have to send it back. And so, see, what we don't know, Cody, is whether she's obligated to send those super cool-looking white headphones that she's wearing and the microphone. Uh, as her uh, father, I've advised her already, yeah, keep them. What the hell? We'll see. Uh, and then, or just tell them that you gave them to your friend Cody, oh. uh, and they're in New York. And Right. You know, Whatever they, if they end up wanting them back, I would just tell, tell them to come get it. You know, <laughs> right? Not, I already. Yeah, sure. You can have the it. way it's I opened these it. boxes was like a kid on Christmas morning. You know right. what I mean? Because I was running late, so I just like they're completely tattered. I'm like, I don't know if the store will accept these broken pieces yeah. of cardboard. I, I I got a feeling the ears, Rach. I got a feeling no one's gonna come get that as cool as they are. All right, Cody. Thank you very much, Rachel. Thank you very much. It's always fun talking to you. And uh, I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.